I'm Steve Backshaw, and you're listening to the Aussie Wildlife Show. All right, guys, welcome to the Aussie Wildlife Show. Adrian here, and I'm here, of course, with Steve. Hey, guys. And we're lucky today to have with us Nathan Beerkins. Nathan is a field ecologist from Arid Recovery. Welcome, Nathan. Oh, thanks for having me. No worries, mate. Now, we're at um, a science event. We just did Science Alive. Yes. And you've got an awesome display here today. A lot of uh, jars of stuff. Yes, all, all, the, um, all the, the death. <laughs> no, like, yeah, lots of all the dead animals, skulls, skins. Yes. Kids love that stuff. Oh, they love it. It's really interesting. They do. Mate, got to go back a step. Arid recovery. Yes. Can you tell our listeners, what, what, what do you guys do there? What's oh. that? So we're a uh, conservation and research organisation based out of Roxby Downs in outback South Australia. Um, we operate a big fence reserve just north of Roxby. Uh, it's 123 square kilometres. And inside there, we've reintroduced a bunch of rare and endangered native species and do a lot of research into them and, yeah, try and get them living outside fences again. That's fantastic. So you fence off the area, you keep out introduced predators like cats and foxes. Mm. And the animals do all right in that environment you've created? Oh, they've been going really well. So Arid Recovery has just celebrated its 21st birthday, so it's officially an adult now. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's been going really well we've brought in about four species and we're trying a fifth one as we speak um so the species we brought back are the burrowing betong imagine a kangaroo the size of a football that lives underground uh there's there's a betong for you um we've got the western barred bandicoot which is the smallest bandicoot in australia tiny little thing about the size of your hand would be a monster um so they're they're pretty cool We've got the bilby out there, still hanging on in some parts of Australia, but it's good to have them. And stick nest rats as well, which are the coolest rats. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, all these species are otherwise completely extinct in the wild in South Australia. Is that correct? I don't know about stick nest rats distribution. Are they still found in South Australia anywhere besides at our recovery? If it wasn't for, if it wasn't for South Australia, stick nest rats wouldn't exist anywhere. Um, Back when Europeans settled, stick nest rats were quite a southern outback species. They went from WA through to New South Wales, uh, but all through the southern outback. But since European settlement, they only survived on one or two islands off the coast of Sejuna. And that's it. So if it wasn't for South Australia, there would be no stick nest rats so alive. You guys have the only mainland stick nest rats? Yeah, so they've been tried in a couple of places. Um, our recovery has worked well. Um, they're trying it now in some other places, uh, like Mount Gibson in Western Australia. So fingers crossed it works for them. But uh, yeah, they've been put onto a few more islands off the Port Lincoln coast and the Sejuna coastlines. Uh, but as far as mainland goes, Arid Recovery is about as good as you can get. Stupid question. They make a nest out of sticks. They do. Stickies love sticks. <laughs> they, 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 they love it. They build giant nests. Uh, you can still go out in the outback where they used to live and find their nests if you're lucky enough. Uh, some of them are six cubic metres. Wow. So, like, they're serious about their sticks. Uh, <laughs> from, from, you know, just a little kind of cute rat, rat-sized animal. They are rats, but they are cute. They, they, they sort of waddle side to side a bit. Um, a bit dumpy bit dopey little things but yeah they, they they drag their sticks and they put them all on top of each other and 
build their own little homes. Do, what do they carry them in their face or? Yeah, they they, they carry them in, their, in with their mouth and their front paws and. Really. Sometimes you um, oh, just recently we were walking along the one of the sand dunes at Arid Recovery and you can see stick nest rat footprints in the ground, and you're following it along. And you can see it's dragging a stick next to it, this big long drag mark next to its footprints. And then you can see where it's decided that this stick is just too heavy and it's given up and it's dropped its stick and it's just watered away, <laughs> disappointed in itself. <laughs> so, so you got the bilbies there? Yes, so we got bilbies. Um, they are also at a few other places in a few fence reserves around the country, but they're surviving as well in the wild, which is a win compared to a fair bunch of the other species um well their cousin the lesser bilby i mean he's yep. he's gone he's gone stick nest rats uh there was a lesser stick nest rat that's gone i think the moral of this story is just don't call things lesser uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah so but the bilby is hanging on in some parts of southwest queensland and nt and the pilbara and wa um but yeah we got we got them at arid too which is good We're very um, lucky to have them I wonder, yes. I wonder if these animals are adapting we, we, the cat, cats and foxes are obviously animals that were never here. And yeah. I wonder if some of our native animals are slowly starting to maybe learn to live with the change in land use and the introduced predators. A bit like the, uh, the, the cane toads and crows up northern Australia, things like that, how they're starting now. Some of the animals starting to learn to live with cane toads. Um, yeah, some interesting work going on up there. But one thing that we're trying to do is see if we can help that process see if we can get these animals because i mean realistically we're not going to get rid of all the cats in australia i mean it's not going to happen um but yeah but what's the what's the limit what how many what does it take to get these guys surviving alongside cats again is it is it possible is it so the whole idea of you guys is to try and breed them up in your fenced area and then release them at some point back into the wild in other areas yeah i mean that would be optimal that would be um best case scenario i guess is arid recovery doesn't exist fenced reserves are i mean they are a temporary thing um eventually one day funding you know would run out hopefully no time soon uh it's great um <laughs> but but being realistic i mean it's a human intervention and if the fence isn't maintained then it's worthless so the whole point of these sort of places is to be um temporary areas where we can yeah breed up numbers we can get them safe secure because if they're only surviving on one island off the coast i mean if something was to happen on that island they're in serious trouble um, all your eggs are in the one basket all your eggs are in the one basket so you can split them around uh, it gives you more populations to be safe gives you more chances to breed up animals and more chances to research them until we can get them living outside again I love the research aspect and you said that there's a new species you're working with is that the western quoll? yes yes so uh, for the first time in 21 years Arid Recovery has got a native predator native mammal predator running around inside it which is exciting. Yes, we got we brought in twelve Western quolls in May this year, and yeah, they're going really well. They're running around, nibbling away at some of our native animals, which was expected. Um, that, that's what they do. But they're they're surviving pretty well out in the outback again. Um, so they, they're catching bedongs. I mean, they weigh about as much as a bedong. They do weigh about as much as a bedong, but they can they can catch bedongs. Um, we've been trying to see what they're eating, stuff like that. So we're running all the scat analysis at the moment and trying to see what what they're up to 
but yeah, but they seem to be quite happy. They've got there's already so we brought twelve in. There's already thirty babies. Uh, wow, fantastic! <laughs> so, so you're training the other animals to be aware of these as well. I guess, well, hopefully, like naturally. Um, yeah. yeah, a bit of natural predation teaches them because that that's another issue with fence reserves is if you don't have a predator in there, uh, it's pretty easy to become blasé and naive about about risks and the world. Some of our native animals that we brought back, like our burrowing betong, originally really common all through the outback, but they only survived on a few islands off the coast of WA. They've been on those islands for the past 10,000 years without a predator. So, yeah, trying to get them back onto the mainland again, they probably need to smarten up a little bit. Straighten up and fly right. Mm. Mm. I love what you do. Um, we, we do something slightly different with our betongs that we breed. We're doing the opposite. I mean, not to take away, obviously rewilding I think is the main priority. We're almost doing conservation through domestication. So we're mm. getting our animals nice and cuddly so that they can go into classrooms and meet people and, um, and be used for education. So I think um, what we both do really complements each other. Mm. I think it's worked well, well today at this uh, science show. The kids go to y- your side and get to see the up-close wow factor of, you know, native animals. This is what they are. This is, you know, that's the stuff that really attracts you in. And, and then they can come over here and see some of the, yeah, the specimen specimen side things. <laughs> many, many years ago, I used to work at a zoo and we used to do animal shows. And we also did um, what we called the box of death. And oh the gosh. kids loved the box of death. You'd pull out things like a kangaroo's leg. Um, we had uh, a skull from a, uh, what was it, a Cape Baron goose, um, like an emu <laughs> egg, you know, some feathers, some fur. And the kids would pass it around. They lo- I mean, it's a bit macabre, but they loved, they loved the box of death. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting stuff. I mean, you get to see things up close that, you know, some of these animals you'd never see up close or definitely mum and dad wouldn't let you get up close to some of them. <laughs> um, but now you can and you can really get that wow factor of, huh, that's really interesting. I would never have heard of that animal before. I'd never have thought of that what, kangaroo leg, what are you saying? Yeah, that's yeah. The back scratcher. Um, <laughs> so a couple of things that stand out to me. The little marsupial just there, mate. Can you talk, tell us a bit about that one? Oh, this little fella. Um, yeah, this is a, a, a platagale, uh, smallest marsupial in the world. Tiny little things. They've got really flat heads and they live down in the cracking clays. So, yeah, whenever you get dry, dry swamps out in the outback, um, yeah, have a look. Have a look in the crack. You might see a planigale facing up at you. That's amazing. Smaller than a mouse. Can people come up and be involved and volunteer? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have um, we do lots of things. So if people want to come out and visit, I mean, we run sunset tours where they come out, go for a walk, tell some stories, hopefully see some animals. But then, and we go, yeah, spotlighting, try to find them. Uh, school groups and that, they can come through on camps and, yeah, check it all out. It's exciting. But... As for volunteering, yeah, we have lots of, lots of volunteers get involved. Um, we have locals come out and help us out with all sorts of things. People come around and help us out with our animal trapping. We do lots of different research topics. Um, all these PhD students come out. They often need volunteers, so people come out and help out. It's really good. Now, And it's not just the animals we're talking about that you've reintroduced. I mean, this environment that you're protecting from cats and foxes also supports a lot of the um, native animals too, like yeah. um, uh, some of the reptiles and the birds and 
other other mammals too. I'm assuming there might be dunnarts there and yeah, hopping mice. Yeah, there's hopping mice, all that sort of thing. Um, lots of little dragons and geckos and skinks and birds and all sorts of things. Um, and that's something that's really interesting, seeing how the how the animals and the wildlife has changed since the fence has gone up. So since arid recovery has been around, um, there's now far more small mammals inside the reserve than outside. I mean, take away the take away the predation, the, the cats and the foxes and the you know, small things like your hopping mice um, are doing really, really well inside the reserve. Um, there's another one called a plains mouse. Kind of a, looks like a fat house mouse sort of thing. <laughs> Imagine a house mouse that's got an obesity problem. That's, that, <laughs> that's, that, that's a plainsy. But yeah, they, they're really rare. They turned up at Arrow Recovery in about 2006 in really low numbers. And uh, since then, inside the reserve, they've gone really, really well. Take away the pressure. Um, they're called plains mice because out in the outback, you find them living on the plains, on the flat ground. But take away the pressure from the cats and it looks like they more than happily go on sand dunes as well, which is interesting because it's not what they do where there are cats. They, they can't hack it. Um, but take the cats and foxes away and, yeah, they, they, they're pretty happy. That's good news. How far away are you from Adelaide, mate? Uh, about 600 kilometres. Yeah. Okay. So better. To, to the north. Five, six-hour drive? <laughs> yeah, yeah, six-hour drive, something like that. Yeah. It's a... And it's, it's just around the corner, just, really. Basically, just, just around, around the, corner. the corner. So, what sort of in, what would you classify that environment? Open spin effects? No spin effects. No spin effects. No spin effects. No um, I'm told it's too dry for spin effects. <laughs> <laughs> it is arid so that, recovery, isn't so it? That, 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 that's depressing. Uh, <laughs> no, it's it's got two main habitat types on the reserve. Um, it's got sand dunes and then swales. These flat, open salt bush areas. Um, so. If you walked along in shorts, which I wouldn't recommend, um, but you probably wouldn't get your knees scratched uh, <laughs> on these low, low swales. And then you get the sand dunes, uh, which can be a couple of metres tall, and then back to another swale again, and then another sand dune, another swale. Sounds like you'd have beautiful sunsets for people that are into photography. Oh, great sunsets, yeah. There's a few um, trees are few and far between, but there's a few mulga trees around, and if you get them at the right angle at sunset, oh, it's beautiful. Love a good mulga. They're the ones that look like a big upside-down umbrella. Yeah, real spin. Oh, no, they're, they're the miles. Those are, those are mile trees, the big umbrellas. Not, um, the, not the acacia annua? The, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's the oh. same one? Yeah. Oh, yeah. To me, yeah. they look like a big upside-down umbrella. Oh, I think they're just spindly things. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. It, what, what sort of reptiles, I mean, sorry, snakes do you have there? Oh, there's, eight, there's about eight species of snakes out eight of Arid. Snakes, um, yeah, yeah the no, they're, but they're not all bad for you. We had everything from, I mean, we got everything from mulga snakes, which are your king browns, even though that's a bad name for them because they're actually black snakes. Um, everything from mulga snakes through to blind snakes, which couldn't hurt a fly. Is that because you've taken their eyes out and put them in a jar? No. <laughs> <laughs> so you don't do that with every animal you <laughs> I promise. I promise we are very nice to them. <laughs> do you get any pythons up there? No, no pythons. No. Um, there used to be wama pythons living out there. Mm. And they tried a reintroduction of them. They did, did a small trial about a decade ago uh, using captive-bred wommers. And, uh, yeah, they got eaten by mulga snakes, by the king browns. But they do want to try it again using big, big ones from the, uh, from the outback that know what they're doing. And that might even 
turn the tides and they might start eating the mulgars. Mm. So <laughs> they are also a reptile specialist, aren't they? The yes, yeah, yes. They can certainly get big enough. The South Australian womas can certainly get big enough to. Yeah, out in the Streslecky. Yeah. 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 yeah, they're pretty huge. Um, could I ask you, mate, you must have a few cool stories from your time being a uh, field ecologist there at Out Recovery. Oh, oh where, do I, where do I start? Where do you start? <laughs> yeah, no, lo- lots, lots of cool stories. Um, one that's a pretty, a pretty classic arid recovery experience, I think, that seems to blow people's mind is um, how to catch a bilby is an interesting one. A lot of our other animals like bedongs, you want to catch them, you put a cage trap out and, um, and they'll go in there. Bilbies are a bit smarter, uh, a bit more cautious about going to that. So if you want to catch a bilby for some reason, um, it's a lot of spotlighting in the cars, getting out and running as fast as you can with butterfly nets. Really? <laughs> uh, hoping that you are faster than it is, or it doesn't go down a hole, or you don't fall over. Uh, <laughs> yeah. they, won't, they won't go into traps? No, occasionally, but yeah. Not very often at all. Very interesting. Yeah. We used to do a thing where we'd set up a, uh, we call it an igloo, but it was a big, like, um, I don't know, a big circle, and we'd put feed in there every night. And we made it out of um, shea cloth. Oh, yeah. With star droppers. Yep. And you lay the star droppers in the bottom of the shea cloth so things can't get underneath, and you have a little mouth at the front. So it kind of looks like a two-dimensional igloo. I don't know how to explain it. <laughs> <laughs> and every night the animals would go in there and feed, I don't know if the bill was going to oh, yep, like that. Yep, yep. And then we'd come and just shut the door and walk in there with the net. Mm. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> well, one thing we're doing now is um, try and catch our quolls. So we, we, our quolls are running around. They've got little collars on them so that we can keep track of them, find where they are, what they're up to. But we go out and catch them every so often to make sure the collars still fit nice, make sure they're healthy and things like that. And... Um, one thing that we're trying to catch the quolls is they're all living down betong holes. These betongs really? dig underground. The quolls are living down betong holes. And uh, so we put a, a little star dropper netting pen around the holes, set it up, put some cage traps in the side of the pen that we've made, and, uh, yeah, helps us catch the, catch the quolls. That's a great idea. That's interesting that they're living down in the, quol- in the uh, betong burrows. Hmm. Do, you, do you get any monitor species on the park? Yeah, there's um, sanguanas and pygmy mulga monitors, which I'm yet to see, but I uh, would love to. So any pygmy mulga monitors that are listening to this podcast, uh, come <laughs> say hi many. to me. <laughs> yes, yes, I'm sure it is very common in the, in the monitor sphere. Did I ever hear you saying before that you're going to do some trapping at Bonbon? Oh, I've just come back from just come trapping out. at Bonbon, yeah. Oh, you missed out again because I know there's lots there. Yes, yes, yes. I was, I was, I was kept my eyes peeled, but... Didn't notice any. Elusive yeah. little goannas. Mm. Yes, Bon Bon, the Bush Heritage Reserve, halfway between here and Cooper Yeah, it's um, their second one. Well, they think the first was Bull Kamata. That's mm. the second one they bought. This is the, this, the second of the um, of the arid zone ones, at least. They started, I think they started in the eastern states. Like, oh, not second really sure. in South Australia, in South sorry. South Australia, yes, yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. I was involved in Bull Kamata doing the baseline survey there. Oh, awesome. Um, they asked me to be involved in Bon Bon, but I was too busy doing this, but... Um, that's how I know about the pygmy mulgas because my friend Dion was involved in that one. Nice. Um, Very jealous. Yeah. Very jealous. <laughs> um, oh, he's a tenacious herper, that Dion. Mate, <laughs> love seeing you. Always a pleasure to see you once a year when we come to these things. And mm. uh, if you're in Adelaide, come back again. We'd love to have you on again. Sounds good. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. That was great. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, mate. Um, guys, 
Thanks. Sorry about all the noise in the background. Uh, everyone around us is packing away, but it was the only opportunity we had to catch Nathan. We really wanted to get him on. We, we love the work you do. Super important stuff. Mate, um, how can people get involved with the, like, the millionaires that are home listening that want to put their money into a good cause? Oh, 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 oh just... Uh Forget our recovery. I'll give you my bank account. Yeah, no. Um, if you, if you are interested, I mean, first thing you can do, nice and easy, is um, follow our Facebook page. Uh, we post a lot on there about what we're doing. Um, I think we give some decent updates: the good, the bad, the ugly. You know, tell people what we're finding out. But also, if you want to donate to us, oh, we would absolutely love that. Um, you can go onto our website, Arid Recovery. Just search it; you'll find it pretty easy. And yeah, you can donate to us. You can adopt some of our animals. Um, yeah, we got a little bit of merch that you can buy as well. We got some cool cups. Buy some mugs. They're fantastic. <laughs> I bought some cups. I love them. Oh, yeah, awesome. And 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 yeah, like you say, you got some soft toys and things like that. We're going to put a link to you guys on our Absolutely. Facebook page and yeah. on our website. Cool. Arrowrecovery.org.au. That's the one. Yep. Simple awesome stuff. Mate, thanks so much for coming on, mate. Thank you. No worries. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening, guys.